Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Drifting Prime, and I am your host, Gerald Hernandez, and tonight's guest is Jacob Corbett. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, very interesting person. Uh, coming back to Prime, he competed Prime when uh, Sonoma Drift was still... Well, Sonoma Drift is a thing. When they had, What was it? Uh, Golden Gate Drift was still a Pro-Am feeder series, or a Pro-2 feeder series, rather, and uh, he's coming back and to compete next year, and... He's building a new chassis. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you. How you doing, man? Good, good. So, uh, we chit-chat a little bit on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I did not know you were building that thing. You've been building that thing in silence, huh? Yes. We've had about five five or six work days on the car so far. Um, it was kind of spur of the moment. We thought the um, amateur season was over at the last battle and decided to build this new car and quickly realized there was one more round left. Um, at the end of this month so kind of shit a little brick and put it into high gear and every day on the car so far has just been hauling ass all right um, the car was a complete street car not that long ago we're talking you know full interior um all so of it, it just, was a complete running vehicle it wasn't running it was wrecked in the front when it, i had gotten close, it close enough <laughs> yeah yeah but but yeah it was a street daily driver from an old lady all right so uh for the people that don't know who you are uh, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself uh what your car is what you're going to be doing sure yeah so um i'm jacob corbett obviously um <laughs> for those of you who don't know i've uh i've been drifting for probably about six years um after caught the drifting bug i instantly started because i've always been mechanical so i started building cars and modding things and uh, learning about coilovers suspension that stuff and uh, quickly got myself into pro-am because of the adrenaline rush that i kind of saw from it in the competition side and uh, just been chasing that dream for the last what three and a half four years pretty heavily um of just trying to actually make it to fd um learning all about what it takes to compete, what it takes to build a program, um, how to get sponsors, how to market yourself, and also how to enjoy the sport at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Um, some people I've noticed, like I've had a lot of guests on, and and some uh, some people will say like, you know, the competition can ruin the sport for them. And it's, for some people, they don't like that whole, uh, I don't want to say this as as a negative, but like they don't like that whole challenging aspect that comes with like a pro am series, mm-hmm. or running a pro am, or just competition in general. You know, not to say that grassroots doesn't have its own challenges because anybody who has to get a car ready for an event knows the stress. <laughs> so it, it's it's equal across the board when it comes to that. But I just I think some people just enjoy that challenge. Like me, I like what I do for a living. Like I install fire alarms. So mm-hmm. I know that there it has to meet like a certain code, a certain requirement, and then I I kind of what is that not not resemble not resemble uh, I'm I'm taught I'm lost for words right now, but I kind of take that with with this car like I know that there's a challenge because you do have to follow a set of rules, but the rules are very maybe not always straightforward. There are gray areas, but you know you kind of you take that challenge on. That's that's how I look at it. Very much so. I have friends on either side of it, friends that just love to compete and friends that absolutely despise competing and just want to go have fun all the time. You know, and for me, I kind of look at that like, well, 
I, I really enjoy the competition aspect because I can say that there's nothing else in the world like being 60, 70 miles an hour and choked right up next to somebody's door, you know, a couple inches away. And you don't know, you're not in control of that lead car. You don't know what's going to happen next. So exactly. Um, that's sort of adrenaline. And if you fall off, it's, it's the chase to catch back up, to suck that, you know, gap back up. Or if you're going to slam into them, let off, but don't let up too much so they give a gap on you or, you know. There's really nothing else like it to me. I, I rode dirt bikes for a long time competitively. Um, I uh, we raced little go karts, uh, just everything. And uh, driving street, you know, I live on some mountainy terrain, and I used to drive about two hour commute to and from work every day while I was an apprentice training um, to be an HVAC technician. This was just out of high school, and you know I drove E36. That was kind of my newfound love at 17, 18 for the car world. And I started really driving the piss out of that thing. And it was an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Um, racing the mountains, the passing lanes, just really getting every little ounce of power out of it. And then I realized, you know, that's it's a little dangerous for me on the streets and it's probably not fully legal. And so I kind of took it off the streets and, and got a uh, convertible and started drifting. And that was much funner, safer of an environment for me to go wild and feel better about, you know, I'm not going to get my car taken. I'm not going to get arrested. <laughs> And uh, kind of just found a home with that, and I've stuck it ever since. Um, you know, I started with E36 BMWs, and that's what I specialize in building is 36 and 46s. Okay. Um, and you do all your but, own work and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So Two bending I and recently, all? Yeah. So okay. what happened, what transpired was is, um, you know, I was an HVAC technician, for, HVAC technician for a long time, and uh, it's been almost 10 years now. And on the side, I was always kind of a little bit of a gearhead and, you know, wrenching and building motor swaps. And I, I started learning about the chassis uh, as I had things breaking on me and such, uh, 18, 19 years old, buying used parts and putting them on. And then I started taking on, as I started drifting, I started taking on side projects and doing motor swaps and clutch swaps and manual swaps and, you know, upgrades and coilover installs for other people. Um, and then it kind of blew up to just recently this last year, I quit my job and started my own HVAC company and as well as um, just recently got a new shop and started a shop business as well. So getting nice. to do the both of getting to do the both of those has been my dream. So you've been um, fucking busy, I imagine. Uh, yeah, probably about 60, 70 hours a week just pumping it out um, between the air conditioning and um, you know dialing the shop in. Um, I started this new shop business venture with a partner. He's also to be my crew chief for next year's Pro-Am season. Awesome. Um, so it just kind of went hand in hand there, but we do, um, all of our bending, you know, I've been making roll cages for about three years. Uh, I make knuckles, uh, angle kits, um, control arms, uh, exhaust systems. I tune E36s and 46s, um, starting to develop turbo kits, things like that. Um, so I really get to, you know, touch all my own cars. The, the car I just recently killed, uh, was one that I had built and learned on quite a bit, uh, was the 2006 Mustang GT. So and, what did you end up doing with that? Because I know that I saw it like as a rolling. First, I saw the whole thing for sale. Then I saw a rolling chassis for sale. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, what's the story on that? The Mustang was an accident. You know, I come from the uh, E36 convertible on nitrous is what I drove primarily for quite a long time. Um, I was building stroker motors uh, and just running a lot of nitrous in it. But I kept blowing it up and I decided one day I wanted to V8 swap it. And my buddy came across this car from his uncle and said, uh, you know, here's a great here's a great swap candidate. Um you know, it's totaled and it, it runs great. Let's go get it. I went and picked it up and I brought it back to my house and said, you know, I can fix this thing and change some control arms, replace some parts on it. And next thing you know, I took it to a um, boost series uh, amateur event just to try it for fun. 
and the car got so many looks it got so much attention that's being a new chassis out there this was probably three years ago it's like a different chassis other than like a fucking 240 every everyone has their s13s their fd chassis or their fcs uh you know and and their e36s and it just got even completely bone stock full interior with a regular cable e-brake it just got so many cool looks um, so we, all of a sudden we kind of had that evil eye in our face and I was like, should we? And, and I went for it and I decided I wanted to do my first winter jam, um, in the V8 car. So I fully roll caged it, copied Von Gittin Jr.'s, uh, 05 comp car. Okay. And, um, I actually found a set of blueprints of his online, um, from that 05 comp car. And, oh, wow. Uh, okay. Modded the knuckles based off of that. But at the time, Cortex, Cortex racing, um, out of Sonoma there had offered me a partial sponsorship on some parts. And it was a bump steer kit um, and heim joints, a few things they gave me. So I decided to combine their kit with Von Gittin Jr.'s knuckles. And what I ended up with was a really nice angle kit for stock control arms. Okay. Um, it's got, I call it shopping cart angle. It's got probably close to maybe 68, 70 degrees of angle. Um, it's just damn near shopping cart on those things. And, um, you know, it just went out of hand from there. I started modifying it. I crashed it up a bunch. Um, you know, at one point at Winter Jam, I had totaled Brandon Whitnick's uh, Pro 2 car, the green one, um, in the rain, kind of slid and crashed him up. So every time I crashed it, it got more of the original Mustang cut off and more tubes added. And that's why we say it just kind of got out of hand. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay. So you basically um, went with like a, a pretty basic setup to begin with, and it just kind of snowballed into... Yeah, it was it was an accident. I'm a BMW guy, so um, but it had a V8, and I could drive it. You know, I, yeah. for some reason, I continued to push driving that thing. I threw an e-brake in it, a hydraulic e-brake, and uh, after we caged it, believe it or not, I, I didn't even need coilovers. Um, the car still sits currently on stock GT500 suspension, and it never has seen coilovers ever. Okay. Um, a lot of people think it was, you know, they think it's a Pro 2 car just because of the way it was painted. Um, or just maybe the tubes or the supercharger makes a little loud whine. But, um, you know, the car was relatively stock aside from a little bit of angle and an e-brake and a seat and a cage. See, that's that's the whole point of this is to use what you have. Like, that's... Yeah. Some, some people yeah, think know, I, they, they do the overbuild. I'm guilty of doing certain things on my car. You know, <laughs> I think everyone yeah. is. And you don't need that, especially to keep up with... Not, not necessarily keep... You can even potentially beat people because you're just a better driver. Something I struggled with um, a lot has been the live axle in the Mustang. And traction is something I'm very much used to. Geometry is kind of my thing. Um, designing suspension. I built a lot of buggies and rock crawlers, uh, okay. rock bouncers, those things. So s- suspension geometry between four links, three links, independent. Um, you know, that's that's sort of the gear set to my mind with things. that Nothing's impossible for me. I'll make it happen. You know, you tell me what you want and we'll figure a way to make it work. So being with this live axle, it's really frustrating. Um, this damn truck f-150 axle in the back of this drift car you know yeah so and you know being with the mindset of i want to compete in formula drift um you know in the future that's always been my dream looking at the rules you know you're not allowed to modify suspension pickup points you're not allowed to do that sort of stuff really uh well live axles have quite a bit of stiff rules so to get that thing to put down the power um it's kind of hard you know without getting wheel hop or you know that what some people call that axle wrap yeah um really never heard that term ever (laughs) yeah axle wrap it it just shakes and shudders pretty bad um you know going around a corner you suffer a lot of traction loss and sometimes weight transfers can kind of hurt you too especially on the the straight axle because yeah you know you can't 
you can't control the uh, weight transfer left to right. It's just one solid axle in there. So yeah, I've had 250 horsepower cars just smoke right by me around a corner sometimes, and I can just put it all down, grab another gear, put it down some more, and I'm just even at you know 25 psi, 20 to 25 psi is typically what I run in the Mustang on a 275. Okay. And you know I can have a 300 horsepower car just blow by me. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of frustrating sometimes being in a competition and trying to you know be on that quest for traction and know that you're limited to certain geometry aspects uh, that independent suspension people will never suffer. Correct. From. And then then and that is that what kind of like brought you back to your BMW roots? Well, I've had this one series sitting here for a while. Uh, it's always been my plan to build a um, a new pro am car and hit it hard again. It was supposed to be this 2019 season, but. Um, just the way things were shifting for me, uh, you know, needing to quit, uh, being a full-time employee and turn into a business owner, um, uh, was definitely a longer project, so to speak, than I had anticipated or wanted. Um, but now that things are finally going, um, you know, we're getting ready and gearing up now, uh, to get ready for next year. And we really okay. plan on having the full circle. Um, and I do feel that even though I wanted to really bad, uh, last year compete, I, I wasn't entirely ready. And, um, I'm glad that I didn't compete because doing the uh, amateur league of outlaw drift series um, while doing these businesses, uh, business adventures of mine has really kind of taught me a lot more of the circle that I need to be complete on okay. for actually having a successful competitive year. And then, and then to, to kind of like go into that whole trying to finance yourself thing. Um, that's something I'm personally trying to do. I know some mm -hmm. people are trying to get like fully sponsored and that's great. Um, for me, I personally would rather pay for this stuff for myself. Mm -hmm. just because I kind of have that peace of mind that I'm not at the end of the day, I'm not letting a sponsor down. Cause I feel like if you're not pe personally, I would be like, damn, I'm not on the podium. I feel bad. These guys are just giving me stuff and I'm, I'm basically just tagging them on Instagram. Um, yeah. Like I'm currently going for my contractor's license as well mm -hmm. um, to start my own thing. So I'm kind of, I'm so curious about like what you're going through because I think, I'm not the only one that's doing that clearly because you did it. You're right. doing it. Um, yeah. So if you can go into a little detail on that, like obviously you had to stop competing. You had to as, as much as you wanted to for the pro-am stuff. Uh, well, goal, the reason I stopped competing um, when I first jumped on board was Golden Gate Drift uh, died. Yes. I do and remember there were, last season was 2015? 2016. 2016. Okay. Um, yeah, I was able to place... I was able to place in that, um, but I was still very much a, a green, you know, green driver. Yeah. What did you finish on, on your 2016 season? I don't remember. Um, and I wasn't went back and trying to find the pages. I think I finished 14th. Um, okay. But there was two rounds. I got zeros in, um, one I didn't qualify, I believe. And the other, I got a zero on, okay. um, I had made it into a top eight and, um, uh, I had spun out, <laughs> Uh, I think Travis Ragona had, um, he's a little buddy of mine. He, he got me off the line and I got a little nervous and uh, I just punched it way too hard and just went spinning into a, a smoky inferno and went off the track. So, yeah, uh, I didn't get a lot of points and uh, that was my first year brand new. The Mustang was entirely stock, um, except for a cage and an e-brake. Yeah, no, that, and, but, but the fact that you were able to still play six, what did you just say? Like four in the I, top I think, 16. Uh, yeah, I was uh, 14th for the season overall, I believe, and that was my first attempt at a pro-am. And the next year, as I was getting ready, they found out that it wasn't happening again. So I kind of got heartbroken because I was in no shape to travel, um, you know, hours and hours away. Yeah, I, I was. I'd imagine. I was still a I was still a full-time employee with I think what a three-year-old at the time. Um, so yeah, and then kind of and then just to, just to relate it even more, like I'm also a well 
a single dad. I'm in a relationship, but like I'm a single dad. Like I have my son half mm-hmm. the time. You know, it's it's the same getup. And and I yeah. think I think anybody who's like, oh, I have these responsibilities. Like you got to make it happen for yourself. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of people who have looked at me kind of cross. Like, man, you're crazy. You know, there was countless nights I'd be out there, you know, rebuilding the whole underneath my car and it's all torn apart and it's while like, the yeah, kids I'm asleep at, i'm i'm leaving at 7 a.m you know yeah no it, it's the same thing here it's uh it's you gotta want it you have to and, want it yeah i i many sleepless nights just going and my buddies are like you're insane and i was like you don't understand you know i'm i'm chasing a dream and yeah. uh, I'll, hell or high water i'm going and then i'm gonna keep fighting until i learn how to get there <laughs> yeah and i uh, i i'm in the same boat and uh i haven't had as much success um, I've had like my own issues. I had, which I haven't had anybody. Well, maybe last week I had a uh, clutch issue on my last round. I saw that. Yeah. It blew up and it took the engine out with it. So I, I saw that too. Yeah. It's, it's uh, uh, devastating. It, it is. I, I did source a new engine. I'm going with an LS two for next year. Um, this is coming out of a car with like a hundred thousand miles on it. The guy basically, he's like, I'm pulling it out cause I want to go iron block and I want to <laughs> do big horsepower. He's like, here's a video of it running. Yeah. So he's shipping me basically everything that I need, which is like a rotating assembly and a block mm-hmm. for 1200 yeah. bucks. That's a great deal. Yeah, that's what I said. So I was like, I'm on that. Um, so hopefully yeah. I'll have that by like mid next month. And you you have a semi-heavy front on yours, but not not too bad. But your, your weight balance is... It's very is, off. Um that's why like everyone's like just go iron block and i'm like mm, i'm already at 55 percent of the weight up front so i'm gonna not go iron block yeah it's not right I mean, now i'm very fortunate i think the three valve that i just swapped into my new uh new car is is all aluminum so uh, my mustang was really really heavy but it's a big car you know it's 30 3300 pounds and what like a 109 in inch wheelbase it had a 108-inch wheelbase okay. from what I measured. I'm not sure if I'm off off, off of spec, factory specs or if my knuckles being modded have anything to do with the change in that, maybe an inch or so. But, um, you know, the 1 Series, people, the people that have seen it, because it's been a pretty hush build so far, um, yeah. only like one photo has been leaked online, and only about 10 of my small circle has seen it. Um, so it's kind of everyone who has seen it has had the same exact uh, reactions to me and said, man... You know that's that's such a small car. How do you how do you think you're going to handle trying to drive that? And first off, my my brain goes to well, I come from E36s, and this is very comparable of that uh, E36, E46. Uh, I did build a pretty nasty Z3 at one point two years ago. Um, so and I hopped hopped right in it and drove it full throttle. You know, on trick fuel and tuned to the gills. My buddy and I were like, let's see how close we can get to blowing this up and make it a rape dape. And and um, you know, I think I'm pretty well versed in short and long wheelbases because the first time i hopped in the mustang it was like drifting the titanic and i just i had it down so measuring the one series is where i got to saying well let's see how short it really is and come to find out that it's only three inches shorter than the mustang um and which, it's actually can be like it, it's you three, say only well, three but it, it is a lot but we'll go to like a z3 right so that's the other thing i i had experienced driving and i modded the knuckles on that and i welded the diff and you know built the suspension on it i did a little eibach uh, and coney coilover conversion from an e36 m3 onto the z3 and um it really wasn't you know really wasn't anything different than what i had been used to in the dirt and in jeeps when i was a kid um they have that kind of quick steer effect and just, i just 
Uh, I, I used to work on a lot of Wranglers uh, when I was a kid for this old man. He loved them. He had about 10 of them. Yeah, and I would I, just do... I've driven those before. Those things make you, they feel like the, a, the, uh, the rear wheel, like a forklift. It's almost like a minivan just Dude. because they, they steer from the front. You know, you don't, you don't have very much of a nose before the steering. Yeah, and I had an XJ for like 10 years that I drove around. And okay. the same thing. Like those things were so snappy when you got to the steering wheel. And uh, quick steer is what I call it, just just because you was, have no front end. It's everything is instant. Yeah, I love that thing. I want to get another one, just to have. So I think that was probably some of my first drifting experience ever. Um, was driving those vehicles when I would work on them at this old man's place. Um, uh-huh. I would change the clutches, do uh, manual conversions for him, and I was probably fourteen or fifteen at the time when I did this work for him. And I would always have to drive them back to my grandmother's house um, to weld the exhaust back together because he didn't have a welder. And I always had to cut the Y pipes off of them to get the trannies out because I was never uh, skilled to use wobblies and extensions and such to get the manifold bolts out without stripping them. Um, so that was my excuse. And there was about an eight mile dirt road between his house and my grandmother's. So I would just open headers and, you know, 14, 15, no license, just go ham at it and uh, started sliding on the gravelly dirt roads. And I think that's probably why when I hop in a car now, the short wheelbase doesn't affect me really. I could probably hop into Miata um, as I've done once or twice before in the rain and just adapt right to it. So coming from an E36 and then going to the Mustang and then now I'm going to be returning back to a wheelbase that's very similar to the E36. I'm pretty comfortable feeling so far in that. Um, we also have a uh, twin turbo E90 that, you know, is, is relatively the exact same wheelbase as the new one series. Um, okay. And I'm pretty comfortable driving that. So, so let's, let's uh, go into your one series a little bit, um, since yeah. it has been a hush build, if you'd like to talk about it's, it. We can open it up. Yeah, go ahead, man. Let's, what um, you got going well, on? Well, what we've got going so far is I did previously, um, about two weeks ago, pulled the motor out of my Mustang. And uh, that was, again, the, the 2006 uh, GT. So it came with a 4.6 uh, three-valve aluminum. And it's running 8 PSI on a uh, Pro Charger. Uh, centrifugal supercharger it's um it runs gt500 injectors and fuel rail adapters to the three valves since they're different sizes uh, it was running the factory pump with a booster pump module that kind of speeds the pump up faster and uses a scaled um, program to uh, tune it um, and there's a stage four uh, Exceti uh, sfi license uh, clutch and chromoly flywheel in it which really made a big difference i think it's a four puck disc we put in there it's seen about six events on that, so I'm really happy with the grab and the bite on that one. It's never slipped at all under the boost. Um, and we have the TR3650 uh, stock GT V8 transmission. It's not the big guy, but um, it's definitely proven to be quite strong, and it's held 500 horse for about two years now, I until just recently, <laughs> just recently exploding it. Um, so then that's going to be a two-piece driveline to the back. Um, we're running the stock one series diff right now, um, which is a 373 ratio. So we're going to step down. We were at a 410 in the Mustang. Um, but I did the 410 before we had boost uh, because I kind of wanted a little bit more NA power to the wheels so I could hit third like all the other guys were doing and get that wheel speed up. Uh, but once we boosted it, I'm pretty pretty solid thinking that the, going back to the 373 will be okay because we have a little boost on our side to get those wheels spinning a little earlier um so that's what we're going to be running we chose the bc um br series coilovers for now uh plans to go 
pretty uh, upgraded on that in the future, but just temporarily to get it going, we, we did the VR series because um, it was quick and able to grab right away. And um, debating back and forth currently on the angle, but uh, what we've done to the car so far is stripped it completely. Like, I mean, completely every single wire, nut and bolt, nothing in the car at all. Um, dash, heater core, everything out. We've stitch welded about half the chassis so far inside. Um, we have gotten the um, three valve mounted off the frame rails rather than the aluminum subframe that the old three liter used to sit on in the car because I kind of feared for the aluminum subframe cracking and tearing. Yeah. That's, um, so uh... now it's now it's mounted off the steel rails. Um, it's actually, oddly enough, uh, uses hockey pucks as motor and transmission mounts. Uh, we went with Are the nice literally stuff hockey pucks. Or we just... actually went with a like a legit off Amazon um, legal hockey puck. So all four, uh, both wow. motor mounts and both tranny mounts are hockey pucks, and they will stay that way because that's that's just going to be the theme of this car. We've used them before in uh, turbo build, um, but he said that they never never had a problem with them. So I decided they're just about the right stiffness between solid and poly. So I wanted to give it a shot, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's other if they don't work out, they rip or tear, then we'll just drop it down to solid, um, and I'll put a plate on it. Okay. But uh, you know I, they're pretty close to solid. It feels it feels like anyway. And I've always ran aluminum mounts or solid mount, or, or like poly, damn near solid poly mounts. So, so like the ninety five A stuff, which is like the I think that's the hardest. I don't, don't remember quote, the numbers. Don't there's quote 75. me on that. Yeah, I, I'm backwards on the numbers. Uh, I'm not too well versed in poly. Uh, I know there's a ton of different types out there, but um, I have a good feeling that you know I'm a pretty good Condor fan. I built several M3s off Condor. Um, also used uh, Nerptech uh, solid aluminum, and I've also um, made some um, out of some T66 uh, aluminum. So. I think it'll be okay, and uh, obviously, if not, we'll we'll get innovative and try something else. But should should prove to be okay, considering it was on rubber mounts before, and I never ripped one. Um, but uh, suspension it's going to be dialed. We haven't chosen between Wisefab or SLR yet. Um, we're hoping to partner with SLR this year, or the, for this next year. But uh, as I was a partner with SLR in the past, um, I really love their products. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I drifted on with the E36 on SLR for probably three years. Um, tried WiseFab, wasn't really a fan of it on the E36, um, but uh, both WiseFab and um, SLR make a pretty decent setup for the 1 Series E82 chassis, which actually shares uh, E90 and F22 parts. So that's the newer 3 Series. Um, right now we have an E90 front front uh, suspension and subframe system in the car and uh, e90 coilovers as well from the bcbr type so did you just go with their stand did you go with a uh, true coilover or a divorce setup actually it's i don't even know the a, whole setup from stock so go ahead the the stock setup is divorced and the setup with the br is um divorced but okay. they are side by side like they're about an inch apart so in the control arm and there's in the rear of this car it's pretty wild there's um I think five control arms per side. And they do they don't have a trailing arm on that car anymore, do they? Um, the rear trailing arm is gone. Okay. And it's a multi-link with a hub, and it's about five links in the rear of that car uh, per side. So it's it's pretty controllable. The geometry is pretty good. Um, it's just uh, you're gonna need a lot of bars. What links? Because uh, I'm just curious. Well, I, I, I gotta look. I'm gonna have to look this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of in some of the photos uh, I may have sent you or some uh, of the ones that would be a, 
What is the body platform called? It's an E82. Okay. Um, E82 and E88, I think it's the 1M. Um, but it starts with a basic, you know, one basic trailing arm like you'd imagine, just straight out from the subframe. That's what carries the shock and the spring. So you guys, okay, so you do have a trailing arm. Um, well, and it's, that's... it's just... It's just one straight arm, but sort of like on, I, on an E36 and E46. You know the um, the upper control arm, the hold. Excuse me, the holds the uh, spring. Yes, I had I had one before, so I do remember so that. That arm is now going to be placed a little bit more towards the rear on the subframe and straight out to the rear knuckle on the bottom. Then there is. It's almost like there's three different arms at different angles. One of them must control uh, caster. One controls toe. So you're um, like your upper control arm. The is one. The, yeah. This. There's yeah, there's two, of them two that are right, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. There's there's two uppers, then I would believe like a tension rod of some sorts and then a spring perch. Oh, um, okay, I see it. I see it. Uh, it's a pretty wild setup, but looking at the geometry, I took the suspension out of it and just worked it up and down and watched it so my mind could kind of wrap around um, what how, the travel's like. And what it's working like, yeah. Yeah, and it, it remains pretty true, which is awesome. Um, definitely going to use my Mustang um suspension techniques there and get a little bit of uh, travel going in in the system and uh, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a weight transfer driver like you see my car is a little soft i like to rock around a little bit um it really helps for traction the mustang was suffering so much that when i lowered the tire pressure down i just ended up going with uh, softer shocks because i wanted the car to be able to move a little bit and once i could get that car to squat it, it actually hooked a little better yeah that's i'm having that same issue right now i'm on a, like a 6k spring yeah. which was designed for like this car's full weight at 4,000 pounds. And then my car weighs like 3,100 pounds. I was, I was blessed. Um, the BCBR coilovers uh, that we picked up actually picked up very lightly used and they were used on an E92 coupe, um, 335 and it was 8k, 8k. And I was pretty happy with that considering this car. And that's on a divorce setup. So, and that's on divorce. Yeah. Too. Cause people, people be forgetting yeah that the uh when you go with the uh the true coilover in the rear you actually drop um about half the size of the spring rate i believe most well most people will do something like in a car like mine i believe the the average guesstimate would probably be 8k and 10k or eight or maybe a 10k 12k combination okay but that's probably a little bit more of a full-bodied car maybe more of a street car or, or a track car um, but, you know, this car is 100% stripped. There's a three-valve supercharged motor, a bare chassis, uh, a fiberglass OMP full containment race seat, and an empty dash frame, you know. <laughs> uh, we went with this very small fuel cell in the back, um, and we're going to upgrade a little bit later to a bladder type, uh, currently just using a non-bladder type because it's what we had on the shelf. Yeah. Um, just to get the car built. So, like I said, I kind of panicked realizing I have to compete in this car in two weeks. So it's, you know... All like, parts on deck, all hands on deck. Yeah, this thing is uh, inexpensive. Throw it in, and we'll we'll worry about it later. Yeah, it's just sort of what I could get my hands. on Is that on one now, like? Cause... Are you, what kind of fuel system are you running for that? Are you going to run like so, a, a so in tank? I used yeah. So I used to be um, I used to be stock Mustang tank, and obviously this car I just completed just maybe two days ago. Completed the tube rear, um, cut the whole, removed the whole factory gas tank out, and uh, the Ford three valve uses a returnless system. So okay. it's a little bit different. We're a little bit different of a supply and return as of some of the other traditional fuel systems. But this tank um, fuel cell that we ordered for this actually has a um, rear rear sump outlet, and um, we're going to be using a um, Deschutes or Deschutes. How do you say that? Have mm-hmm. you heard of that? It's DW. Um, I 
God forgive me, I butchered their name up so bad. <laughs> Dish, I, I know who you're talking about, and I can't even. Ah, oh, there we go. Deechworks. Works. <laughs> yeah, yes, you, okay, I was like, so you pronounce it so badly, we, I can't even like remember the name. I butcher the crap out of that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, Deechworks. Works. <laughs> uh, but we actually, the people that tune my Mustang are actually out of Florida, and they've been an awesome partner for the last uh, two and a half, three years of this supercharged mission of mine. Okay, and then and just just to kind of go a little bit on that, are you doing like a remote tune? Are you having? Are they just kind of like a mail tune setup? No, no, it's all remote. Uh, okay. We've 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 tuned my Mustang. We've uh, data logged it um, probably seven or eight times so far. Um, it's really awesome. The devices and the, the you know the technical support they've been willing to help me with, and they're they're doing uh, partial partial sponsorship uh, season with me. Um, I also have uh, tough trucks and mud dragsters that are Fords that they sponsor as well. Um, so kind of just getting that full circle they've they've been the ones to tune the mustang since the day it became supercharged and they got me on a new fuel system now and so the bmw uh, the one series now moved away from stock systems with pump boosters and now is on a complete standalone fuel system um we're running the um the dw pump i think it's almost a 400 liter per hour pump um with a uh, phoenix fuel system so it's basically all dash eight and lines um, all the way up to the regulator and then um, they also make Phoenix, Phoenix Industries makes the three valve adapter plug on just clips right onto the stock fuel rail and goes to a dash eight right to the regulator. OK, are you running that, a stock regulator or an aftermarket? So now we're running a Phoenix Industries um, returnless regulator for my fuel system. So basically the supply and the return go from the fuel cell in the trunk. Uh, I have a pre filter uh, that's also dash eight comes right out of the rear sump and then an inline um, Deechworks uh, pump. Okay. Going up to the going up to the Phoenix uh, Industries regulator, and that's basically I think it's about we're running at about forty eight or fifty psi, and uh, it's runs on one sixteen trick fuel. Um, it's just stock manifolds and which are pretty they flow really well. Um, believe it or not, <laughs> the uh, Ford factory stock casties. They're only yeah, you know, about, um, they're only about two pounds heavier than than regular headers. So I, it was kind of a joke when I held one. I was like, I don't need to change these. Uh, one of my friends, Eddie. Ed, uh, Eddie drifts. Don't don't quote me on that. He drives a new Edge Mustang with uh, mm-hmm. with a Terminator swapped, and he had last year he had stock manifolds with like a Vortex supercharger, and he's like, yeah, I'm pushing like 500 horsepower. I was like, okay, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's it's um, the stock manifolds flow really well. So you know, and I'm I'm sitting right at 500. So there's really you know I have no restriction concern at the moment because that's at my the wheel, kid- right? Yeah, and my concern is is my um, my rods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's what I so heard. <laughs> my concern is my rods, and I could easily just change the pulley and um, up the boost and, and go crazy. You know, my motor is good for seven, eight hundred horsepower before I need to actually get into that head and do some you know do some work to it. Yeah, um, but my rods are pretty much maxed out, so I'm kind of pushing the envelope. And um, you know, our plans are to build two new all forged blocks this winter um have a new forged block in the car and uh turn the boost up to about 700 for the beginning of next year and um keep a spare engine uh, i have four transmissions now um and uh we're gonna basically have a whole spare car in a box when we when we go out good and, no, um, no, you we're got, gonna be you're, you're... we're gonna be highly tra- highly trained on everything is everything i've built in the car so far has been with with the mind of i'm gonna change this motor in half an hour flat you know, you know last year i had a uh, couple problems on my BMW where it would break mm. right when I started getting comfortable with my car. And, mm. um, what is it? I can't 
his name is Raz, I believe. He drives the Evo. He drove the Evo in Pro 2 last year. He did one of our rounds at the Drift League, and he was like, you know, he's like, you're only as good as your last lap, as your worst lap, and, you know, you're only as good as the spare parts that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's pretty funny. Or because, you're only as reliable um, as the spare parts you, you have. Yeah. So this last round of competition um, at uh, end of last month there, I think that was the end of August uh, for the Outlaw Series, um, round three. And I showed up. Uh, we were there bright and early, ready to go um, out in Stockton. And, um, you know, I got out there, went to the driver's meeting. Everything was great. Listened to the judges, what they were talking about, the notes, what they were looking for in qualifying. Um, just really, you know, trying to give it my best foot forward to really stay in the points chase. I'm currently fourth in that season right now, or that series, excuse me. And um, just really making sure I can give them what they ask for and get some good practice in. And first lap of the day, we go out there and go to warm tires up. And I felt a little shudder that kind of was like, look, look to my buddies. And what, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like that shudder. It felt like axle uh, wheel hop, but really bad. And um, I hadn't gotten that the last time I drove the car, but it was 107 degrees. So I thought maybe just tires were hooking really hard. And, you know, so we, we go out for the first practice lap. The, the flagger waves us on and. We hit first, uh, immediately just lit them all the way to seven grand, uh, grabbed second. Um, felt it hopping pretty bad, jerking around right underneath my elbow in the tranny tunnel area and hit third and probably one of the loudest explosions I've ever heard of that car. What, what, so what was it that um, went out? So what happened was the um, the shuddering I was feeling was actually wheel hop. And what happened was I, I have a three link in the back of that car, in the back of the Mustang. And the upper three link bar um, from the top of the diff to the chassis actually sheared in half um, and punted the rear end forward up into the driveline tunnel or into the tranny tunnel Ooh. and snapped my driveline in half. Um, and so this is my very first practice lap of the morning. It's about 9 a.m. and I'm, I'm in competition mindset. So instantly, you know, when I rev it, I didn't know if I snapped my tranny. I didn't know what the heck happened, blew my rear end. I was, it's just, you know, fresh in. You're um, like, I can't see it. <laughs> I have no idea. I yeah. just hit the gas and it sounds really bad. So I shut the car off. And I got pushed in, you know, waved up, waved a truck to come push me in. And, you know, they went around and shoved me back up into the pits. And I, I got into the car and lifted it up and just seen my driveline hanging. And uh, my rear end was about three or four inches farther forward than it should have been. My wheels were kind of stuffed up in there. And the pinion was tipped up towards the bottom of the car. So I knew <laughs> I knew it was all bad. Um, the Mustang uses a uh, – or the S197 chassis uses a two-piece driveline with CV joints in the back half on both ends. Okay. And, U, and U-joints on the front half. Okay. So uh immediately noticed the driveline just laying on the ground and uh, I was like, holy crap, you know, and I got up under there and there was just grease from the CV joint everywhere. everywhere yeah. So I saw the ripped arm instantly. Me and my team, we got on the phones. I had, you know, I had my crew chief and my guys just calling it everywhere. Uh, we were able to find a replacement three link bar in um, Sacramento or actually in in one of the Stockton warehouses, but it wasn't at the um, parts stores. So one of my guys immediately took off and went to the parts store to pay for it and then went to the warehouse directly to pick it up. Then we finally were able to uh, find, I was able to get the CV shaft of the back half of the driveline apart. Now imagine I'm in my race suit. It's 107 degrees. Um, I have a a five layer, I have a five layer NASCAR suit on, you know, and I'm just covered in axle grease. You can imagine how nasty that is. Yep. And I'm just beating the shit out of this. Excuse me. I'm just beating the crap out of this, uh, splined, uh, broken CV joint on my driveline, just 
almost hysterical just like this thing needs to get fixed and i just i don't know how i've never rebuilt a mustang driveline <laughs> i didn't know what was rebuildable i was just higher hell water i've got to get this car back together before qualifying and um we finally found a front half of a cv joint in sacramento and i just immediately sent one of my crew members just get in the truck now go um and they just you know sacramento to stockton's maybe an hour okay and so one person's flying off another direction and getting you know half the parts the other person's flying in the other half i've got the car in the air sitting on tires on wood blocks because the jack stands wouldn't get it high enough for me um i was able to as soon as my buddy got back i was able to remove all the pieces while they were gone and i uh, was able to get the new third link bar in and then we were just the judges were doing circles in the lot going you know you're almost out of time you're almost out of time and uh, qualifying's about over and I'm just sitting here like the parts are five minutes away. Please, please. They're like, oh, we can't make exceptions. Sorry. <laughs> and I was just like, please. And my, my buddy pulls in flying hot last minute. And uh, I was able to slam that driveline together, bolt it back in. And uh, there was a driver's meeting going on as I was getting it done. And they were nice enough to let me pull my car to the start line and uh, send one of my crew members to the driver's meeting for me. Because uh, they have those pretty strict rules. If you're not in the driver's meeting, you're not competing. Yeah. Um, but I was able to send a crew member for me while I thrashed the car back together. And uh, the front half of the driveline was actually still bent. And one of the U-joint cups was pushed out um, about half an inch. Um, okay. I saw it last minute. I beat the crap out of it with a hammer and uh, caked, a ton of, caked <laughs> a ton of silicone on it and just prayed and said, don't come undone for this this battle. And uh, I saw the driveline wobble. It was pretty bad when I spun it. It had about a half an inch of deflection on it, just oogling around. You can imagine how that would look. Uh, yeah, um, uh, how it would feel. It was not great when I did get out there, but yeah. um, you know, I, I barely made it. Uh, some of the drivers were kind of a little pissy that uh, I was even allowed to attempt to compete. I mean, it, it that's fair to a certain extent, but like when you I, go... I'm. I believe that if I wasn't in the points chase, um, if I wasn't in the top four, five standing, they probably would have just told me, sorry, you know, we're just going to go ahead and continue. Um, but I think they really tried to work with me as much as the other drivers. Um, and they, what they did was they allowed another driver who was, would have ended up getting a buy run. Um, they allowed him and I to battle for who will move actually into the top 16 brackets. Um, and, uh, unfortunately the, the kid is a good, good little friend of mine. Um, He's uh, he drives the Fox Body Mustang um, and also has the um, the old FD car that was a uh, supercharged S197 as well, the blue blue and white striped one. I think I've seen that. So yeah, so he's he's. It was little... purchased not too long ago, right? Right, and my buddy's the one who purchased it. Um, his cool. parents are awesome people, uh, little Austin Reeves, and uh, he also has Rob Pesco's old Mustang uh, that's it's red now, but. Um, so I ended up battling him, and um, we both made a couple mistakes. I had zero practice. Um, obviously, I by third gear exploded my transmission, so I hadn't even gotten one sight lap even. Um, and they lined me up first. They said, "This is your qualifying attempt. Uh, go ahead and make qualifying lap, and the judges will determine a score and see if you're going to be able to compete. If not, you got to get off track, and you're out for the you know out for the competition." Um, I was able to just go out there and first second third and i was a little rocky on my initiation because i had cold tires and uh, hadn't hit the track at all yet I was scared of the wall but i rode the bank and uh, was able to pull off a clean lap i think at least a 70 or 80 or above of score um instantly said yeah go ahead you can call it you're, you're qualified and here you go right in the battle immediately pulled right in and started the battle for the uh, by run situation 
um, battled Austin to for the ability to battle the rest of the guys. I guess that's what it was. So we were both battling for the chance to get into the bracket. And uh, for that one slot, so to speak, they were giving. Um, we both made a couple mistakes, and it was deemed a one more time. Um, you know, mind you, 107 degrees and um, running a lot of boost and not having my cooling system dialed on the car yet at that point. Uh, my car gets hot after two laps in 100-degree weather. <laughs> um, so I was a little stressed out, and they just immediately lined us right back up. No break, no, no run another battle, nothing. We just went right into it after the one more time. So basically five battles later, um, I ended up getting the win and advancing on. Uh, luckily, it was just over a couple hair, hairline mistakes that Austin had made because I had made a couple mistakes as well. Um, at that point, it was only my fourth practice lap of the day. <laughs> yeah. So I was just nervous as all hell. Uh, I felt the shakes, but the adrenaline rush was there. I'm pretty sure I, I stuck to Austin's door pretty scarily to me that I thought I was going to hit him, but I stayed in it, and it paid off in my benefit, luckily. Um, and I was able to gap him around the last bank quite a bit and um, flow right through the last transitions. And uh, next couple battles were pretty fun. Um, the car was shaking consistently worse and worse each battle. I can imagine. Um, <laughs> the shutter from the transmission tunnel and the whine from the transmission was getting louder and louder and louder and louder as I felt that bent drive line starting to do its work to that back of the tranny. Yeah. Um, those transmissions are not meant for, you know, horrible vibrations. They're, I, don't, I don't think many are, man. <laughs> they're well, yeah, anything that has a live axle that has a slip yoke in it can oh. really take a can take a pounding. Um, and that's where the at the back of the transmission where because, these yeah. where it goes in and out. It's meant to slide in and out. But this transmission is a two piece, or this transmission is used to a two piece, and the back half does the moving in the front so half. So how does stays, it connect stays, from stays the stays. transmission to the drive shaft? You said it was a. Um... Well, so this this one's two piece uh, on the Mustang as well as the BMW, so they're going to connect the same. But the Mustang had a sealed output flange um, with a four bolt and a U joint on the front half. So that's and... a U joint and not like a Guibo type setup. Correct, and it's just a U joint, um, just like you'd see on a standard rear differential. It's just okay, so right it's meant to a, be a, perfectly balanced type setup. Uh, yeah, okay. perfectly balanced and stationary, and the back half of the driveline is on CVs. It has a CV joint on each side of the driveline, and that's what does the articulation for yeah, the axle. so not like the BMW with the Guibo right there. It's exactly the same as the BMW. Just take the Guibo out and put a uh, hub-centric um, U-joint uh, flange on. Okay, I you know, four, four bolts. Four okay. bolts instead of three and no yeah. rubber disc. That's all just metal to metal and, and flush with a hub-centric centering. Um, so yeah, supposed to be perfectly balanced, no, no vibrations, no bends. And uh, I had about an inch oscillation on my drive shaft <laughs> going into that first battle. And after the one more time and advancing into the top eight and, um, and then into the top four, um, I had already earned fourth place, uh, battling for third place. I had won the, the lead battle, the, um, opponent, um, had made a quite a big mistake where he actually the judges were deeming it an unchaseable lead uh at the last corner he straightened up and almost took out a bunch of pylons so i i backed off instantly once i saw him going for those k rails and pylons <laughs> I, was like, I was like i'm not following that at the last corner yeah um and we lined up and it was my turn to lead i believe and same thing happened i i launched first i that shutter got scary bad i just grabbed second anyway grabbed third and it just exploded all over again in third um it come to, I thought I exploded my transmission entirely, but uh, come to find out after the fact, after we got it home, we realized it was just third gear, uh, and second and fourth still worked. So I had I known that, I could have jammed another gear and kept going, uh, and hopefully would have gotten third. Um, 
I was up to battle after that. I was up to battle my one of my good friends who's actually a points leader currently in that series in one of my old cars <laughs> to boot. Um, you know, he's I would have been able to battle him had I advanced from that battle and we would have battled for first or second. So it would have been a real would have been a real fun. But I'm happy to at least have taken fourth and remained in the points chase and uh, maintained above a top five. So I did think that was the last battle of the year, but um, to. Now I'm going to have to go to round four with a brand new untested car. So hopefully uh, we got some new transmissions and hopefully, you know, nothing, nothing breaks or snaps. So what transmissions are you guys running? The, the T5? Uh, so no, uh, the T5 has uh, grown over the years uh, into the TR3650. Okay. So it's, it's a happy medium between a T5 or a, excuse me, a T5 and a TR6060. Um, so it's kind of smack in the middle of that. Okay, so it's not not a T fifty six though. <laughs> it's well, it's the T fifty six's little brother, basically. Okay. Um, it, it's perfectly fine at five hundred horse. It holds quite a bit of power for quite a while. Um, like I said, I've been on mine, beating the crap out of it with a stage four, you know, a steady clutch and a solid weld diff on fifteen to twenty five psi ranges for the last two plus years, and not a single ounce of complaint out of it. And the only reason I believe it did get hurt was from that bent drive line just getting thrashed you know my my rev limiter is up at about 7500 now um and i raid basically third gear pretty much the entire courses so and it's just non-stop clutch kick and non-stop rev limiter the whole time i'm out when i run typically so bent drive line and what eight battles of that is it wasn't very happy yeah and each battle i heard it getting louder and louder yeah let's talk about what tires you're on and um what size you're running um, so I've done a various amount of, um, experimentation this last year on purpose, just for trying to feel it out and try other things. Um, I gotta say, you know, I, I have a local sponsorship here, um, from Carlton tire. They're a, um, Cooper tire dealer as well as others. Um, but oddly enough, I actually, I actually don't like Cooper tires. Um, but they, you said that. Oh yeah, they know. Yeah. They know. <laughs> they, they had given me, so what they do sometimes is when they get a new sport tire, they like to have me test it. And, okay. um, and, uh, you know, they sport car, anything ZR rated, anything, you know, this is the new Cooper Xeon, uh, you know, Z3 or, you know, whatever the new tire tread is you know, I try it. And, um, oddly enough, they just don't, they, they're great on the street cars, but, uh, some of those Coopers, the Xeon series, and especially the new ones, um, I've had them delaminate on me and I just ran a brand new set of Coopers just recently at a drift show I did here at one of my local speedways. And the tire made it about three laps and completely delaminated through the belt off, uh, belt the tread off of it and sent me flying off the track at about 60. So they don't hold up to the heat as well. Um, so my favorite tires, I have to say, are discontinued now. And they were Murata's, uh, Murata GT2s. And I don't know who actually made them. They were just another rebranded tire. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, but so basically Murata's were my absolute favorite and um i in the past i had run a ton of uh, i move um i forget what we were running there but um that's basically the Murata's were the last ones and i had been through probably 50 of those this year um until they're discontinued and now i'm sort of running anything anything that we're we're going to be willing to try i've ran probably five different uh, miscellaneous types they're all off brands but i find that they're just regular mainstream brands rebranded so we're going to be moving on to trying some new ones this next week as well 
Um, I'm not sure which ones they are yet, um, but I believe they're very similar to the Murata in compound. Um, they're all around. They're all around. So sizes, um, I've had my best luck on uh, 275s. Um, 275, 40, 18s is my favorite size. Um, and I run them at about 25 PSI. Um, I like, a, like I said, I like a little bit more of a rockier, kind of grippier setup. Uh, really benefiting on that weight transfer to kind of help. But the car is a little, not unsettled, I want to say, but the car is a little jigglier uh, okay. in certain areas. Um, but I take that as a trade-off for the traction that I get in, in gains. Um, I think we're going to be going down to a 255 uh, for this new car. I was just going to talk about that. Yeah, so I know that um, Pro 2 has regulations on tire sizes, and I I want to say it was a 255. It um, is. And so I kind of took that in mind uh, to my crew chief, and we were talking about it just a couple of days ago and saying that, you know, I'm going to probably be going to be trying to conform to those rules as hard as I can to get the practice in now because if I can't make the car work on smaller tires, I'm going to have a problem when, I, when the time comes. Yeah. Um, so I really want to start getting in the gears and the mindsets of using a lot of those rules. I mean, when I, when I build these cars and I, I do a lot of builds for other clients and such, um, I really try to stick to FD and pro two rules, um, as my backbone for that. Um, I use NASA rules, SCCA rules and Sonoma drift rules because Sonoma drift, uh, has some of the strictest, uh, rules probably I'd say in this whole West coast. Um, you know, their rules I think are above some of the SCCA things and some of the NASA rules. Yeah, they, they got to cover their ass. I, I don't blame them. Yeah, so I kind of build to those standards. And um, in thinking of my developing me and my team, um, and as well as my driving and my car, uh, my engineering and building skills as well, on um, suspension development, really want to be able to, you know, get with the program, so to speak, uh, and run on a tire that they're going to make me run on in the future. How should I ever be able to reach that goal? And I also had a thing of body width on the new car where the Mustang could tuck a 315, uh, no problem, without even a fender roll. <laughs> um, this new car is struggling to fit a 10-inch wheel with 255s. So on what, on what offset, though? Well, I do like a little bit of a, a stance, I'll call it. Um, the offset I have right now is, I think, around 10 in the back. Okay. Um, but I am kind of on a 255 with a 10-inch wheel. Uh, I have a little bit of... But that, that's kind of a, that's a bit of a stretch, though. And wait, wait, are you in a 255 40 or are you in a 255 35 because i've noticed no 35s like, for me all 40s now okay so um, i just switched from 255 35 achille atr sport 2s to the to what we have like in our series we kind of have like a um a tire sponsor or mm, a tire supporter for the series mm -hmm. which is a mile star i don't know the 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 remember the hang on my car's right behind me i'll look at it there you go. <laughs> so it's like the it's called the Milestar MS nine three two XP plus, and uh, I went from a two fifty five thirty five Achilles to this one, and it's a two fifty five forty. So oddly enough, um, the how do I say it? Like the well, you know when it rolls over, it doesn't look as square as it did Sidewall with the two flex. So yeah, so yeah, so it doesn't look as intrusive as the uh, two fifty five thirty five did. So it looks like it rounds off a little bit better. So it actually looks a little bit better on the car as well. 
And then mm-hmm. I was able to get um, maybe better. I, I made a couple changes at the, uh, all at once, so I'm not really sure which one did it. Right. But I was able to get like a little bit better side bite where, you know, when I was throwing the car um, from, you know, yeah, the, I can't think of the, the lower fucking the lower, word. Uh, I'm terrible at words when I need them. Um, the lower side profile is going to give you less bite on the side. Correct. Of, yeah. You know, so so I get this, roll yeah, the side. When, when I was transitioning um, before, not only was my my front set up rubbing the frame rails, so mm-hmm. it would cause me to spin out every time. A little bit of rotation. Yeah, every single time. So I added some spacers, and then I threw the 255-40 on, and I was kind of able to you know, throw it, lock it, and just like hammer on the throttle and be able to stay in it. Yeah, you'll get a little bit more forward uh, propulsion. Yes. And, um, yeah, definitely side bite. With the live axle, I never struggled with that too much. I always had perfect even tire wear, and I just, I've always, I've never been a fan of the 35 sidewall because um, a couple years ago when I started running nitrous in the uh, E36, uh-huh. um, you know, that that was a big, it's a big power punch. It's it's like boost lag and then the rubber band effect. So you just nothing, nothing, and then just like the movies, you hear that pressure go through the line and just, you know, well, exhaust note picks up and tires start squealing. <laughs> it's uh, it's just like that. And so I had traction problems. Um, I started lowering tire pressure, and I used to run in those cars at two thirty five, thirty five, eighteens, and the, you know I ran a lot of thirty five series, and I I started lowering tire pressures down to fifteen. Um, and even in the Mustang when it was new, I had three hundred horse, and I was just trying to chase people and started dropping it all the way down, and I had so many tires debeat on me. Um, from the 35 series after going 15 PSI and they'd go around a corner and start getting a little hop and then it would just pop and blow the bead. Um, very little side bites. And when I moved up to the 40 series, I didn't have that problem. I could run them at 17, 18 PSI um, and go just full lock and blazing through. No problem. Never had an issue. So 40 series is definitely something I recommend always. Um, 45, I feel like it's a little bit too tall when you're going to be running lower pressures um, for, especially since, you know, when you're going up above 245, it starts to get the sidewall as a percentage of the tread width. So, you know, obviously if you're running a wider tire at a 45 series, it's going to be reflection, a reflection of that tread width to equal your sidewall height. So the wider a tire, the taller your sidewall. And, um, so really 245 to 255 and a 40 series 18 is perfect. Um, 17s I don't agree with anymore just because I feel like there's just that little bit less circumference, a little bit less material, and they um, they seem to chunk and blow apart faster. They don't last as long, and they don't put up with the heat as much. Mm-hmm. So I definitely definitely notice a big difference in going up to 18s the entire life for hot lapping and um, just overall lasting. You know, so you get a, just that little bit more. It could be a difference between one or two more laps off that 18 versus the 17. So independent suspension with a tire like with a you know 255 you're really going to want to make sure it's dialed and your tread wear is pretty good uh, so you don't waste tires <laughs> that was something that killed me on the uh, independent suspension before that i never had trouble with with the mustang uh and i'll be back to that now so making your links adjustable and getting the car dialed for the grip to wear evenly is important as well you know, so your tire sits flat so you can maximize your contact patch um your what what setup did you go with for angle and all that fun stuff? Did we talk about that? Well, we, we went to the point of I'm on the fence currently of still trying to work with SLR. Um, 
Okay. But uh, okay. on okay. the fence between that. yeah, on the fence between SLR and Y sub currently. And what um, about the rear? So the the rear um, currently is is stock um, arms at the moment, um, and if I don't, Wisefab makes a full rear for it, and so does SLR. So depending on who we partner with, we may choose their components, um, and if not, um, you know, I am perfectly happy and capable to fab my own uh, adjustable arms um, because you know I have Himes and have DOM tube, and you have can the take, proper... can take them all. Yeah, I can yeah. take all them all together, no problem. And... Um, it's just I may I may want to just partner with you know either Wisefab or SLR for this because I want to do the whole car like that and if it makes it simpler to have them as a supplier then you know that's what we'll do. Um, it's easier to bolt something on than it is to like go ahead and you know dig yeah, into I mean, like I, the geometry and have it to make everything on your own. Well, they they've done it already. You exactly. Know, that's the that's, thing. You know, I I can definitely do it. Um, like I said, I I make angle kits for thirty sixes and forty sixes um, and Mustangs and I, I've made several other kits as well. So. Um, Okay. And then, yeah. so for somebody who's kind of like mm, almost taken a, a hiatus from Pro-Am, so to speak, and competition, um, not really, obviously, you're competing in the other series, but it's not a licensing one. Right. Um, what, what is it that, you know, you don't have to go into too much detail, maybe just topics, um, but like, what is it that you're doing to, to reach out to these sponsors? Like, do you have your full-on proposal set up? Yeah, so... Um... Basically, what I'm doing is I've realized, you know, as I've tried to get sponsors and tried and tried and tried, um, you know, I've realized there's a couple things like, uh, you know, there was a few years where I was um, decent friends with uh, Matt Field and, um, you know, listening to the things he was talking to us and just saying, you know, it's it's basically learning how to market yourself and, and what you can do for them if it's interesting enough to them, to these people who you're asking for their help, um, you know, it's it's obviously you know what they can do for you you want their stuff um and that you want them to help you get there without you know means of your own so you're looking for you know reaching out for help so to speak but it's about what you can do for them so i've learned over the years is trying to accomplish this um the partners that i do have um currently and i've had a lot of come and go sponsors where they're like yeah sure you know we'll we'll give you that uh, half off you know and and um it's they're not you have to find people that are interested in marketing. And so the companies that you're looking for, chances are they probably already have people representing them. So that's, they're not, if you just come to them and say, you know, Oh my God, will you, will you sponsor my car? I, you know, I want to, I want to represent you. And you know, you have to, you have to have it all on the table and creating a program is more of a professional aspect to them in terms of these letters that like, especially what you'd mentioned, like a sponsorship proposals. Um, I've written several of them and some have been successful. Some have just, probably never even been read um and other yeah. relationships i've <laughs> done you know I've, i have actually a, a range of sponsors that have played a large role in me even making it this far um and each one of them has had a different interface um, some of them are local businesses as i've grown up they've watched me race um some of them are people that i've reached out to that have done prior business um and uh some of them have just been people that I have watched me for years and just want to say, they say, Hey, you know, you, you seem to be really going somewhere. I want to, you know, what if we work together and they've approached me. So it's, it's all across the board, but I think that, um, you know, having yourself put together and, and having your plan put together is kind of important for these proposals. The more put together you can appear, you know, presentations half the battle. That's something I've lived part of my life by. And it's definitely true. Um, so how you present yourself can make all the difference in the world. And, and with a 
sponsorship proposal. You need things like your experience, your, you know, your current situation, your future plans, your schedules. Um, you know, that's probably the best way to do it. But, you know, and, and it's not to be shot down in the beginning when you don't get a whole lot of responses, because I'm pretty sure most everybody who's not somebody yet goes through those phases where they either just, you know, sorry, we're not we can't help you or know sure we'll give you 50 bucks off and you're looking at something that's five grand yeah and you're Um, or sometimes you're not even getting a response (laughs) yeah and you're not even getting you know they may even you may even see somehow on an interface that they've read it but they're not even responding to you um or they say oh somebody asks me every day for stuff sorry you know it's it's uh it's just about putting yourself out there really and you can choose the mannerisms in which you do it because i've had mixed results with all kinds of various things um and like i said i've also had people approach me so it's it's just a matter of, I think, focusing on your dream and don't let, not letting anything get in your way and just continue to press on, but uh, presenting yourself as best as you possibly can um, and focusing on, um, you know, where you want to go and what you can what you can provide for them in the process. And a lot of it turns out to be marketing from what I've seen. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to represent them. Um, and by representing them, this is where you see the trend of social media tagging um, and, you uh, it's, it's probably the one, the primary thing. Uh, but you have to find uh, people to work with that are interested in having that. And that's the other half to battle. So ideally, they, I think they look for, like I had one point was, was very close to being sponsored by Megasquirt. And um, I had a, what was that, a 2006 uh, Dodge Charger. And, uh, you know, we were going to manual swap it and build a new pro car with it. And uh, Megasquirt was one of the only people that could really help me get that thing off of a factory ECU because it was an automatic car. Okay. And the only other way to manual convert it was to uh, rob a Challenger of all its parts and throw it in the Charger. Um, and obviously, I didn't have the money to do that. I barely had gotten the, the Charger as it is. Yeah. Uh, and had the Mustang as well at the same time. So, um, you know, and it was they had they said they had finally agreed after about a month of haggling um, together with them. Uh, they had finally agreed to sponsor me for the for the car build um and for the next race season um but part of the terms was they wanted me to set up a dealer account and sell their items so in california (laughs) right um which is totally an awesome opportunity but i I wasn't set up i was still a full-time hvac technician and my dreams of uh you know running a full custom auto shop were still just dreams and me doing it in my garage and at nights and in the dirt you know um, just wherever, however I could. I mean, I was still building cars in my front yard you know, for other on people. On cinder blocks, you know, it's not. Yeah, tires with two by fours across them. I mean, I did whatever I had to do. Um, I you, built which full... you stole from job sites. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I, I do the I've same built, thing. So I've, I've built full cars out in my front yard. You know, um, I changed I, the engine in the middle of the street before. I don't. Whatever. <laughs> I. I did a dually transmission in my driveway on the side of the street, you know, yes, double parked. <laughs> so it's just kind of whatever it took to make it, I was going for it. But, you know, I really wasn't, um, I wasn't ready. And that's when I learned the other year that I, no matter how bad I wanted to compete, I just wasn't ready yet. And, um, all the while I still may not be as fully ready as maybe I need to be, but I'm, I'm ready to make the leap now. Um, things I've gotten things dialed in terms of, you know, now starting, uh, two businesses of my own. Um, that's, very fortunate for me to be two and, things I love the most. And please, you're more than welcome to shout them out. Like you're, there's no. Well, um, so we, the new business. I've always went by Corbett Customs, um, and that was my own personal automotive thing. It's it's on Instagram at Corbett Customs, um, and that sort of as I entered a new partnership with the fabrication uh, and custom auto business, we we haven't quite fully 
100% concreted a business name for the two of us yet as partners because we didn't really want to use either one's name anymore. Um, so we still haven't actually made an official name for the company yet, uh, but we did just get our new shop and we've got going. Um, we've got a couple clients already in terms of the new partnership as well as some of the residual old stuff we're still doing. But, um, you know, we will we'll set up some social media and stuff, uh, you know, in the coming weeks or so. Um, and we'll be able to update that stuff. But um, for now, my entire quote unquote profile is is my Instagram. Uh, I've always used my Facebook for personal. So the Instagram was more of a car car themed thing. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of my builds are on there. A lot of other people's cars I've built. Um, a lot of racing's on there. Um, but uh, we will basically do everything uh, from tube chassis to, you know, dragsters to drift cars, drift cars primarily, of course. But, um, you know, in the world of roll caging, I'm not going to say no to chassis that I love to build anyway. Yeah. Um, suspension designing, motor swaps, manual swaps, um, modded knuckles, bash bars, um, you know, pretty much just anything. Seat mounts, just anything custom you could possibly think of. I mean, so it's... Um, it's been a dream come true, and that's that's this is a situation that that circles back to the Mega Squirt um, sponsorship thing. Whereas, you know, I really wasn't ready that year, but um, had something like that knocked on my door. Now I'm I'm fully ready for it, and um, I'm just hoping to develop new partners. And as you mentioned, that is is me also every day sitting here saying, okay, well, you know, this is going to be a new car, a new year. Um, I've dropped a lot of sponsors in the last two years. Just one due to being kicked out of Sonoma for the last, for the season of 2019 has been kind of a bummer, but, um, it's kind of just helped me. But at least it's just like a, uh, cause I remember yeah. when you post, we're, we, we know each other through, well, vaguely know each other through Facebook and, you know, we see, I see your post and, um, you were basically asked to leave Sonoma because you did a burnout at some point. Yeah, so the, the 2018 Winter Jam, Winter Jam's been a staple of mine. I love it to death. Um, and I actually got a chance to enter the competition side of it uh, this last year on the FD layout. And, um, <laughs> you know, Sunday morning of the Winter Jam, it was pretty early, but um, we were shooting a video, actually. Um, it was a pretty decent little video. And uh, I had just, you know, I was up in a private pit by a NASCAR entrance way, way, way away from everybody. Um, I wasn't nowhere near a single other soul. It was my own standalone pit by myself and no one for a hundred yards in any direction. Um, but, uh, apparently I, my car's pretty loud. Um, and, uh, a lot of people saw it quote unquote. I'm not sure <laughs> how that really went down, but I just kind of, you know, we were shooting some slide shots of the car and I just started kind of brake standing a little bit and I let off the brakes and grabbed second gear and started hitting limiter and did a pretty, gnarly donut and a half and shut it down um i didn't think anybody saw it i was so far away i didn't think anybody heard it you know it's something i shouldn't have done clearly but um you know i let let the videoing and stuff distract me and just kind of let off the break and went for it and definitely should not have had like i said but uh, about three months later after that winter jam competition this was beginning a season this year i got that phone call from the management and uh you know, they wanted to just let me know that uh, it was kind of a hard decision, but they chose to make me an example and um, let everyone know, you know, since I'm somewhat of a known driver in the area, um, that, you know, I should have known better and they have a zero tolerance policy and, and that, you know, consequences will be given. <laughs> and uh, I was the unlucky receiver of that. And so I've sat out for the year of 2019 in Sonoma, where Sonoma being my home track, you know, it's a little bit of salt in the wound, but... Uh, according to their standards and uh from what i understand i 
I did it to myself. So, um, it has brought good things. Like I said, it's, it's brought me a lot of opportunity in the time off to gear myself a little bit better for being able to compete next year. Um, cause I'd be hitting a lot of Sonoma Wednesday nights. I got to tell you, I went to quite a, quite a few of them and it's tempting to just say, Hey, I'm not working right now. Let's load the car up and go, go drift for the night. Yeah. Um, but this has really caused me to focus on the bigger goal. You know, I've been drip, drifting for about six years and, um, I don't need to go to a Wednesday night uh, anymore. I need to focus on the on the big prize. So I've got a lot of seat time for about three years. I did nothing but seat time, seat time, seat time, seat time. Um, you know, I got myself burnt out on seat time damn near. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready for something more. You know, I need faster cars. I need to compete. I need something to feed my, uh, you know, speed demons a little bit more here. So I started working on cars. And with cars comes money. And with money comes a career. And career comes life and balance. And, you know, it's something I've struggled with is, little bit of workaholic genes because I have that diehard uh, chase after the goals and I don't ever want to let it stop me. Um, but life is there too. And you have to remember that. Um, yeah. The real life <laughs> <laughs> life is there too. So like Bill, uh, something, yeah, something children. I've <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not so all of us have kids, but for those of us that do like, you know, mm-hmm. we got, we put them first. Yeah. I'm, I'm really blessed. Uh, my son, he's, he's six now. Um, you know, I have him half the time, a little bit less now. He's in school uh, with mom right now. Um, you know, I've fought like crazy for him since day one, but, um, he absolutely loves everything to do with cars. So he's, he's right there with me, um, as much as he can be. I I get heartbroken when I have to tell him, no, you know, this throws sparks. You can't use this yet. You have to, you have to put the mask on and stand 15 feet away. You know, it kind of kills me, but yeah, it's safety. But, uh, he wants to just be right up in there. You know, I, I remember being a small child. And just running around, I want to be a race car driver. I want to be a mechanic. <laughs> yeah. So, so did you grow up around cars and stuff like that? I I grew up around cars. I grew up around race cars. Um, I grew up around engineering. I grew up around auto body. I even lived at an auto body shop uh, for about three years. Okay. Um, I've heavily been into. I used to drag race electric vehicles when I was uh, 10, 11, and twelve. Um, I still hold records uh, nationally for um, some electric vehicle drag racing classes with awesome. the. Uh, at Sacramento and at uh, Infinium or Sonoma Raceway. Um, classes that were closed that will never be open again, so I'll hold them for the rest of like, rest so of time. Thanks for those, buddies. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. You know, just um, mechanical. Um... Sure. Sorry, that was my uh, Alexa. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, Alexa's not I, sure. I forgot she's always listening, so wow. I just unplugged <laughs> there it. There you go. It's actually not my Alexa, so I'm pretty sure, like, my girlfriend, when she's like, hey, why do I have this ad? It's from Alexa. Yeah. I was Alexa's like, always listening. Yeah. I was like, uh, well, she's a creep. Alexa's kind of... I haven't had an Alexa yet, but I probably will never get one. It's, uh, uh, you know... It's just, like, it's just like Facebook. You know, you're talking about something, and a day later, it shows you ads on Facebook talking about that. Yeah, it's, uh... She, prob- she probably gets them. She's like, hey, why don't I have this ad for a vacuum bleeder or something? <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, yeah, so it's uh, I did grow up around the background. Um, you know, my um, my father is actually, he was a mechanical engineer, uh, the chief um, engineer for the San Francisco Fire Department. Um, I spent quite a lot of time when I was independent study in middle school and portions of high school at uh, UC Cal Berkeley and uh, got to participate in a lot of engineering courses and was just always kind of hungry for 
more technical stuff. So I was in, very much into geometry, um, a little bit of mathematics, not too much, but to, got to really exercise my creative sides quite a bit. You know, dirt bikes, uh, buggies, right out of high school or during high school, actually, when I was quote unquote supposed to be in high school, I actually um, went to a work experience day at a fab shop building Toyota rock crawler and buggies. And uh, with after work experience day, I just kind of actually never left there. The, the guy who owned the shop was like, hey, you know, great day. Come back tomorrow if you want. And uh, I got off the school bus and went over to the went over to the fab shop. <laughs> and uh, that went on for a while. And I, you know, I fought truancy and um, was able to get into before the school board and uh, get over to a uh, independent study uh, school that was outside of the normal school so that I could continue to work uh, and not go to school anymore. Um, and graduated really early and just kind of stayed and hung out so that I could walk with my class nice. when the time came. Um, so just, that was pretty much it. I kicked it right there. Um, picked up the heating and air conditioning uh, as a lucky opportunity. And it has a lot of diagnostics in it, which was something I crave. I have a mental, you know, I can't stop till it's fixed, uh, situation. And so really getting scientifical and mechanical and combining theories and, um, you know, proving solutions was, which was fit hand in hand with me and kind of just took off from there. I wish I had that same drive. Mine is like, fuck, I have to fix this thing until it works because I want to go home. It's not, right. it's not so much of a drive of like, I want to figure it out. Well, sometimes it is. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it, I did, you know, residential warranty service work. And so the whole press with that is, is they want to spend as little as they possibly need to. I mean, they're not afraid to spend if they, if, you know, if the customer needs something that they're, they're going to they're going to pay for it. But the goal is to be as efficient as you can to increase your volume. And this is from a business standpoint, as well as from a satisfaction for the warranty companies to be happy with you being a service provider. Um, what I learned through doing that as a technician for 10 years, it's, um, you know, they want you to be efficient. They want you to be reliable. And, and for you to make money, you have to be that way as well in order to enhance your volume because you're not going to make a lot of money. They're trying to pay you pennies. So yeah. if you want to be successful, this that's the, that's the formula. Is You it, need to be good at what you do. You need to be quick. And you need to kind of be appropriate in judgments at all, at all times. So diagnostics, you know, you can imagine some of these AC systems that are just butchered. Um, they use electrical, mechanical, vapor compression cycles with refrigerants. So you have a lot of thermodynamics um, fundamentals in there. And um, a lot of physics involved, as well as math and just general theories as well. Yeah, see, so, ours is super basic. Like, it's like, did your relay open or close? Like, that's all I need. Right. Yeah. Well, so if you can't follow a schematic, you can't, you know, you can't do air conditioning uh, diagnostics. And then hand in hand, you can't diagnose your own car, right? So Correct. these sort of things, I realized the two hobbies that I had developed um, were so closely related. It was hilarious. Um, think of, uh, you know, oil pressure, think of, um, is it uh, correct? Coolant, is, it, coolant, is it within spec yeah. or is it not? Yeah. Coolant flow, um, the fuel pump systems, uh, you know, oxygen sensor readings, being able to measure test, where's your parameters, being able to data log, being able to look at a data log, um, and see what the heck that stuff is, uh, understanding the mechanics of an engine, you know, just all these things you need to have sort of a 3d geometrical mind. Yeah. Um, and some of the best drivers are their own, you know, lead mechanics. But what I've learned from this as well is I've always been a person that's 
hard to help, so to speak, because I'm I'm just so used to doing everything myself. I I've never I had 100% that good help. Agree with that. And then when I do I ask had, for help, I don't get it. <laughs> well, I, I never had the help, um, and most of the, my friends um, going going through all these same phases as me, I was always a couple steps ahead. So it's like when I look to some of them for help they're already looking to me for help and it's like shit, shit. <laughs> guys i'm confused you're confused we're never going to get through this uh, yeah you know, and then i've got to tear back at it so but um being blessed with like for example my new partnership and my and my crew chief for this next year um you know he's he's almost equally as comparable as me um and i'm very <laughs> very blessed to have someone like that um just gets now to like because the, just understands what's what's going on and what, i I've worked with him enough now to know that, you know, I can trust him touching or doing something um, just as I would or if not as comparable without me worrying about it. And that's a first for me. Um, so I'm very picky about my stuff. A lot of my stuff is halfway sketch. So, you know, I'm like, I'm like, don't it's only holding by one bolt. Don't do that this way. Do it this way. Um, you know, that sort of thing. But so it's like trying to gain that uh, gain the trust in working with other people is something I've also developed um a realization that that's that's pretty significant in this world is you're not going to go by yourself you need a team with you um so developing a program is where that correlates to and um i i never knew never used to know what people meant when they said you know can you when i was trying to get sponsors two three four years ago they said well can you tell me about your program and i just stopped dead in my tracks say program what the hell is a program yeah right <laughs> Look around like what is this guys i mean i don't have a program i just trying to race you know and I would come to realize now that I know what they mean now. And, um, you know, how are you set up? What is everything you're doing? What's involved? How is your, you know, what's your budget ranges? What's your, what's your competition schedule? What, it, you know, how are you set up and how are you aiming to do this? And where's the successful outlook that they're looking to throw their faith in the basket with you on, you know, what are they, what are they putting trusted in you to, to do? And, uh, I definitely, this last event showed me that where I, you know, I went out for a first practice lap and exploded my car into smithereens and, and I had four wonderful people to just step right in and we all got it done in the nick of time and got me back out there. So just another example of, I can't do it by myself and I'm very blessed to start working with people that are, you know, qualified and, and, uh, vibe with me and we all get along and, you know, setting up a better future to be able to successfully compete. Um, all of the struggling, you know, has been for a good reason. And the more videos I watch, um, the more even podcasts like this, you know, I, I didn't know this one was, it was here on Spotify, which was pretty cool. Cause I, <laughs> I'm going to go back, um, pretty far and just, just hear them all because everybody has useful information, um, in a different perspective in, in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, 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 then, that, and not to cut you off, but not okay. to, like my, since I've been doing this since November of last year, and uh, even me, like, I've, I've learned so much, and my opinion has changed so much. Like, if you listen to my first episode and you listen to me, like, now, like, mm -hmm. now I understand, like, you know, when it comes to drifting, judges want you to do something because that's what the fuck they want you to do. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're ready or not. And, mm -hmm. um, like, in my first episode, I was kind of, like, being shitty about it, like a fucking little seven-year-old girl who's all mad because she didn't get her way. And, um... But I've I've learned that like this is what they want, and you have mm -hmm. to abide by what the judges yeah. want. I believe I I took third place in round two of the one of the competitions, and I had the judges look at me and say, in in qualifying after the drivers meeting for the top sixteen, they looked at me and said, you know, 
you're probably going to, you know, you do just keep doing what you did all day. You're probably going to, you're probably going to take this one home because not a single driver asked us anything after the driver's meeting. I was apparently, I was the only one who really was concerned, you know, where do you guys want to see where, what are you really looking for? What are you not so worried about? You know, I was in there as much as I could be. I mean, just metaphorically, somebody, my team member had to pull me out by my jacket. I was just asking as much as I possibly could, like up their butts, wanting to know what do they want? Because I had the realization early on this year, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what your buddy in the crowd thinks. It doesn't matter what your your chief in the pit thinks. It matters what the judges see and is it what they wanted to see. Um, there was even misunderstandings where at one point they called my car they called my car unsettled and bobbly, you know, and I looked at them and was like, I, you know, I don't even have coilovers. You know, every single one of these cars out here is coilovers and, you know, I'm on stock suspension. My car bounces. It's a 3000 pound car on struts. <laughs> you know, it, it gets and my clutch kicks of 500 horse, third gear, 71 hour, you know, e-brake clutch kick, e-brake clutch kick. It's not going to be the most graceful thing. And I was docked points for it. So, you know what I learned? Don't go out there and battling with a stock car and expecting a handicap for it. They don't care. What they want to see is what they want to see. Exactly. So, there's another thing I learned, you know. Or a handicap driver mod, like myself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're not... Um, they're not caring what the circumstances are and they, and maybe they do care and they want to give you that credit, but they can't because they can, they, they can't show favoritism. This is the standard. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to play the, well, the same rules apply to everybody. Yeah. And the standard you're upheld to. And I appreciate that because all the while I was that eight year old stomping girl, like oh, whatever, you know, it, yeah, exactly. I, I, I understand in the long run and it's taught me a lot. And that's is what I'm grateful for of them. Um, because now I see that's that's what is held in store for the higher rounds, you know, for the higher levels of competition. They don't. It's more of a zero tolerance. You make yeah, one it's mistake, a, it's, you're it's out. It's a humbling experience to learn that, like, uh, they don't give a shit who you are. <laughs> I I can say I've went through a lot of humbling, um, you know, from early on to now. Um, I think I I had gotten judged a lot by the Mustang just because of its appearance. Um, you know, it it looked very. <laughs> It looked very aggressive, and that was kind of the goal I was going for with the car. Um, and I was not afraid to throw that thing around. You know, I have totaled that thing so many times. Uh, that's why I built a lot of the tube frames was so I could total it and still have a drivable chassis. Yeah. And uh, thank God, you know, the way that I had tubed that thing, it still drives perfectly straight right now. Um, the front frame horns after the shock tower are bent quite a bit, um, you know, but from firewall to shock towers perfectly straight um the car still maintains a perfectly true alignment it's amazing um i bounced it off walls i've totaled other people's cars i've spun all four corners around a wall um, i've wall drug third gear got clipped on a k-rail and slapped the wall blew the front suspension across the track uh, the thing is just still straight as an arrow i could let go of the wheel at 100 um you know so setting up a car is very important as well but just blessed at that one that it's stayed together for so long and uh i built this new car a little bit more modified of each version i've done has gotten better and better in design yeah um you know so i being technical like i am i, I love to engineer things and the two frame on the mustang in the rear had just gotten built before the last competition and i bounced off the wall three times uh, backwards and i didn't even so much as break a little chip off the plastic taillight and i just kept on driving nice so, you know. what are your uh, what is your ultimate what is your end goal for the twenty twenty season going into competition after 
pro-am competition so after not um competing for a while uh well um i mean i've stayed in the competition spirit and style and practice um getting myself ready throughout the year um you know i'm competing uh three and a half hours away from my house um so it's a little bit of a drive and uh get, just getting ready for that theme i've been practicing myself as if i'm going to drive farther be ready earlier um i really feel that you know i stand a good chance um done a lot of research watching videos watching rounds um i've driven with a lot of high horsepower cars driven with a lot of very skilled drivers um so just really doing anything i possibly can to get myself ready because um i definitely feel i have a, a decent chance to put up a good fight for the year and obviously the end goal for me uh 2020 is to really earn the pro 2 license so that 2021 can be a pro 2 year um i really believe that there's a good opportunity to further the sponsorships i have now um in the ability to aid that making it a reality as well as uh furthering my own two businesses now um to support that and um you know i definitely see throughout the year after we after we get some progress down uh, being able to hopefully open the door for new partnerships and move up on the ranks in the ladder a little bit um get a little bit more social media coverage going um we're not we're not set up on the social media at this moment just because I've been such I mean, moving shops, running like a chicken with my head cut off, um, just trying to get builds done, get people's cars out, uh, get my own car pumped out at the same time, and still have somewhat of a life in the meantime as well. So we will be picking social media back up soon and getting kind of you know pretty heavy into it again like, like I was in the past, um, trying to enhance the exposure, um, get my, get our car out there, get our team out there and, um, have a good year and really, really <laughs> cross our fingers. We can, we can get a license out of it at the end of the year and really Definitely. move on. Do you plan on doing step. a uh, pro two shootout at all? Um, if I am given the opportunity, I definitely would love to, I was not ready this year. And again, I was banned from Sonoma, so I did not make it a goal to do that. Um, but I definitely was wishing I, I was there. <laughs> if they bring it back next year, which I assume they will. Um, you, you it was there running... this year. So yeah, exactly. And I, from my understanding, I had success. It was a pretty big event from what I understood. I didn't go cause you know, I'm not allowed to, but are you not allowed to even like go to the track to watch or I was, it was very vague, but I was asked to take a season off, you know, so I, I would have, I would have assumed that was for driving, but you know, I'm sure I could go no problem. Um, yeah i'm just i'm building a car i i've got a i've got a nose to the grindstone so as much as i would have loved to watch you know i it happened right at the time where i was just about to begin the mustang or the uh one series build gotcha and also transitioning from shop uh shop to shop and getting things set up so but but um i would definitely definitely make a shootout um you know, I've gotten two two HD trucks now, um, getting them set up. Um, yeah, that's that's the next thing we want to talk about. I want to talk about your tow setup. What do you got going on there? Yeah, yeah a lot of people so, want to know. Yeah, um, you know, I don't like enclosed trailers. I know they're the the bee's knees. Some people call it. Um, you know, they're the cat's meow. But uh, I'm I'm not I, of an open trailer. I love guy. that you fucking use those two terminologies. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was born in 1990, so some of those things stick, you know. You, you caught them from, childhood. like, your great-grandfather? <laughs> or early childhood. I'm yeah, sure. right? Go ahead. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so I, I'm more of an open trailer man. Um, okay. I love the flat decks. And uh, the trailer I was using was actually a trailer that my pops and I um, turned from a boat trailer 
um, into a car trailer. I mean, he did most of the work when I was when I was ten or eleven or something like that. But I had ended up um, buying it from him in eighteen nineteen, and then taking it all across you know the world and damn back and. And then it blew up on me. The axle blew up on me um, coming home from Florida one time uh, down in L.A. And uh, I was towing my uh, M3 back from Florida. And it just axle blew up. And I was like, you know, I had a custom axle made down there. And I just drug the trailer along, put a new deck on it. And, and then I just recently tore the trailer down and converted it to a brand new uh, 10K dual axle. Um, built some fenders for it and planned on extending it and kind of just fully outfitting it my way, my own personal style, you know, tool storage and stuff like that. But um, and it's worked great, except for the Mustang was too wide, so I had to load it backwards with skinny wheels. So that kind of took that away. And we've been using a brand new, it might be a Carson, but just a brand new, uh, nice uh, dovetail uh, open deck or open center uh, car trailer. Um, and I like it a lot. You know, it's it's my uh, it's my crew chief Eric's trailer. He bought a brand new just because he wanted a new trailer, and uh, it's really light. So when we go places with it, it saves on the gas and just everything can go in the truck and pretty much good to go like that so we have between him and i we have three 2500 hd pickups so i just recently bought a newer one with very low miles um in specific planning for next year um and having a backup at the same time so that i'm fully prepared on all angles i figure you know three trucks uh we're not going to miss anything yeah yeah definitely um one truck will definitely be loaded with the whole spare car in it and the other truck will tow the car um, you know, in the crew. So we're going to need at least four of us. We plan on having, if not six. Okay. So you're um, pretty much definitely prepared for a successful. I am season. doing a hundred percent my best to make sure I have everything I need. Oh. And then some, <laughs> and then, uh, anything that you've done to make sure that the car stays reliable. So, yeah. So parts, things like, uh, spare parts. you know, th- things like, um, things like choosing clutches and stuff like that. We went with the SFI uh, spec stuff like the flywheel and clutch, you know, Xceti is a good name brand. It's got a good reputation. Same with like McLeod, but um, the SFI stuff I've noticed uh, from years of thrashing seems to be a little bit more disaster proof. Um, they're held to higher standards in the manufacturing, the hardware, the bolts they use, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, this is the reason why I have about a 700 horse uh, S52 uh, BMW engine that was going into my one series up until I decided to pull the plug on the Mustang. And the main deciding factor of that was reliability um, because the Mustang hasn't even had so much as spark plugs changed in two years of boost. Um, the motor's never been opened ever. And, Still stock uh, head gaskets, all that fun stock bolt, stock head bolts, everything. I mean, the car was factory when I got it with 50,000 miles on it. Okay. Um, and it has never been opened once. I think all I've done is change the oil twice. You um, are my hero. <laughs> so as much as people talk shit about Fords, um, me being a Beamer guy, um, here I am with a three valve. The same thing. Yeah, uh, I have a um, I have an LS LS build we're doing right now in the shop uh, for a client. It's an E36, and it's LS basically an LM7 turned into an LS3. Um, you know, but I've already experienced issues with it right off the bat. You know, and it's just like. God damn it! It's, <laughs> um, you know, it's I feel like sort you're of, just saying that to make you sound good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no it's, they have it's their just own issues. The, the Ford platform, for some reason, I've I've been very blessed with it. And the other thing is, is is when I needed a part, if you can't find it at any parts store, Summit's got it like that. You know, next day I've had things. So 
uh, like when I threw a supercharger pulley off at 7,000 RPMs before, uh, when I first supercharged it and, um, I used the wrong bolt. Apparently I didn't find the right one in the kit that came with it. I used something else. Things got mixed up over a period of time working on it in the shop and I used the wrong bolt in the crank. Um, I didn't put the right thread locker on it. I didn't torque it properly. And the very first event I had, was a show, actually an exhibition show at a local speedway. And, uh, I went out for a practice lap, did okay. Went for my second practice lap and, like I said, about 7,000, 7,500 hitting the rev limiter back and forth. It was like a grenade went off under my hood. Um, and I threw that pulley off the front of the motor. It blew everything up in its path. As you can imagine, a procharger pulley is pretty fat. It's uh, probably about eight inches deep in a 10 inch circle. Yep. That sucker weighs about 20 pounds. And that thing went flying under my hood. It blew my radiator up, blew my expansion tank up, uh, snapped several hoses, uh, broke power steering cooler line, uh, kinked the brake line up in it's, front. It's always a fucking party, man. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It uh, snapped dowel pins out of my crank pulley. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, what else did I could do? It exploded my AC compressor that was in there. <laughs> oh, shit. You still are in the stock AC? Com- did you still I have still, AC I, in the car? I tried to tell people it was like a stock car, you know, but um, it still had AC in the car. And uh, it exploded Functioning that. AC? Uh, I had to the evaporator coil out, but everything was still in there otherwise. Oh, you know, because okay. I had I had no dash. I, I don't even know what happened to the dash of that car. I lost it at one point. Uh, sounds silly to say I lost a dashboard, but yes, I did. <laughs> You're like, I don't um, know where the I, fuck I took it off at. <laughs> I genuinely lost my dash. Yeah. The only reason I even liked that Mustang was because it was a throwback style of the old fastbacks. Um, when the when the S197 chassis came out, it had the closest remnants of an old Mustang. Yeah. And that's the only reason I love the car. The dash was part of that. It had the old Mach 1 style dash. Um, just kind of modernized, of course. And I lost it, so that sucked. But um, So the heater core was gone. It was nothing but a dash bar from the full cage. And my gauge cluster sat uh, on the tranny tunnel. It wasn't even zip-tied. It just sat there. It's still sitting there now. Just gravity sitting there. Nice. Um, but uh, I forgot where we were. <laughs> <laughs> we were tangenting off of that, but oh, the the supercharger pulley exploding. Yeah, so you know the parts uh, I needed. I had everything I needed. Same thing with when I totaled the car. You know, it was um, I had caught a wall really bad and got I'll call it bitch slapped into the wall with at full lock um, from you know tail dragging to hello nose getting slapped into the wall, and it, everything I had was readily available at parts stores and really cheap. And it was kind of like one of those deciding factors of. Well, you know, this is really reliable. Uh, parts are really common. Um, spare engines, spare blocks, uh, things like that. Um, just dime a dozen. So it's it has that aftermarket support to really make me feel confident in running a full season. Um, and the way that we've prepped the car now, um, you know, I can I can put the car up on I can put the car up on just the tail of the trailer, and I can change the transmission in an hour flat. You know, um, I can pull that motor and tranny out in about an hour maybe half hour to have everything out and then take some of the long block accessories off of it. Um, so right now we're really practicing on making the car really reliable, um, making the car really quick to repair, um, having, having things like spare, spare suspension, which uh, will take longer to do the work in the beginning. Well, right now, sometimes this is, this is why we're doing this now because I really have, high sights on a very successful year. I feel I have what it takes and I can set the rest up of what I know that I'm missing and what I've learned that I need to have. And, um, you know, trucks, trailers, uh, crew members, um, lots of spare pieces, 
And, um, you know, just the, the support is important, but as well as knowing your setup and me, I'm, I'm a wicked fast, uh, wicked fast builder mechanic. Um, you know, I have that blessing of just working with so much garbage that I can, when something is smooth and simple, it's eyes closed and stream right through it. Yeah. So, you know, being able to rip my motor and tranny out and pop another one in, in, hour and a half time is is really what we're we're pushing for um change my diff instantly i've prepared everything on the chassis to be really quick um everything down to spare drive lines spare rear differentials um i'm not quite fortunate enough to switch over to a quick change rear end yet although that's the plan for midway through the year um be working with um a sequential transmission box as well towards the mid of the end of the year um, so really just trying to get things up and going and have twos and threes of things and being able to quickly access them is important to me and to our team. Definitely. Um, that's, that stuff is just, it's just constantly what I'm working on now. And I figure, you know, before the season starts, um, we should be in pretty, pretty good shape with doubles. You know, like I said, I'm going to be turning the boost up to about 700. Um, I feel like, I feel like it's plenty now at five, but there's a lot of times where, I really wish I had that extra little oomph and um, building a 500 horse motor and running it at 500 horse to the gills is kind of beating it. Um, building a 700 horse platform and taking it easy on it with two thirds, the amount of stress or strain on it is, is more where I want to be. Yeah. Um, so turning the boost up and forge, you know, switching over to the forged internals um, and the upgraded head work, even though we don't necessarily need it, it's a reliability cue where I don't want to be, you know, breaking rockers or valve springs and stuff like that. Definitely. You know, as, as this last competition has shown me, um, be ready for anything to snap at any moment and you're not going to be the one to predict what's going to happen. You know, you could be perfectly fine and somebody could come plow right into you 10 minutes before qualifying and guess who's screwed because of it? Well, you are. So being able to quick act quickly is, is definitely on the list of importance yeah that's uh something i need to work on because i don't even have a crew yet at least one uh, that like a solid one it's just like you know it's hey dad what are you doing this weekend yeah yeah it's, um it's not i tried i tried for years and years to get um you know to ramp all my friends up and build cars for them uh, with them i help them and uh, you know if they if the people don't have to share the similar interest as you it's um, not gonna work it's just not going to work, and that's really sad because sometimes they can be some of the best of your friends. Mm-hmm. But, I agree. Um, you know, it's I have several friends that I'm pretty sure they don't even know how to change their own oil, but they're awesome people, and they still support me as much as they possibly can. And that's how you kind of, you know, you know, they're not going to be the ones, uh, <laughs> they're not going to be the ones uh, changing your rear end in ten minutes for you to get back out there, but they're. You know they're still going to support you, but you you really have to find the people that have the same goals and the maybe just aren't as far um, or the same interest or they're really into it. Like, you know my um, my crew chief now he's uh, he hasn't started drifting yet, but he is heavily heavily into fabrication with me. He's you know he's very interested. He's been in the car with me. Um, he's been a little speed nut himself, building like turbo Volvos, and uh, we we're building him a new chassis an IS three hundred um, with a two J. Um, and we, you know, we've had talks of, uh, Ford swapping it now because I have the platform already. Um, and, uh, it's just, I have all the resources. I've spent the years developing the partnerships with the, uh, the other companies that have helped me carry me this far. 
and um, you know even Procharger um, has stepped in and uh, partially um, offered sponsorship deals on parts for me. They've you know, overnighted me stuff uh, free, so a lot of these things work out pretty well. And if you have those people that are kind of in the same basket as you, even if they're not doing the same things, um, that's probably the ticket to getting a good crew. Uh, people that really want to be involved in something, but maybe they're going to live vicariously through you and still enjoy it. Yeah, Cause some of the friends I've seen that go that want to help, they're dedicated, but they, <laughs> they don't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, 110 degrees and dragging, you know, parts through the dirt and, and just sucks ass. Sun no matter up, who sun. you are, it sucks. <laughs> it's sun up, sun down. They probably were up half the night with me. Their eyes are bloodshot just from not sleeping. And they're, you know, you could tell they just want to get the hell out of there. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's finding people that are as equally driven for whatever reason that is and willing to work with you is, is probably the best, uh, you know, success in that. Uh, it's definitely hard finding crew members that, that want to stay with you the whole time and not just show up once in a while. Definitely, but hey, man, um, it is getting kind of late for me. Yes, sir. I'm gonna cut off here. I'm gonna uh, thank you for coming on. Definitely, yeah, fun. and I definitely wish you the best of the luck. It sounds like you're definitely prepared for it. I'm uh, doing my best, right? <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it my all. At least you know from like you know a previous your previous not as successful seasons to know what exactly what you need to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's taught me a lot. Um, you know, I never came out swinging uh, and winning, you know, but, um, this year I am fourth and we have one battle left and I do, you know, and these drivers are damn near pro-am quality anyway. So, I mean, this is, the competition has gotten quite fierce, you know, the person in first is like I was saying earlier is, you know, he's one of my old teammates and he's actually in one of my old cars. I mean, he's obviously taken the car a few steps further than I had it at the time. I had to let it go, um, for other reasons, but, you know, he picked up where I left off and really made it a good car. And, you know, he's driving phenomenally all year and he's leader right now. So, um, you know, one more battle and shake things up. But uh, it'll be pretty, pretty fun with a new car to get out there and just give it a tester. And hopefully it can hold hold the points to uh, have a maybe even a top three finish in the season. But if not anything, at least hold hold where I'm at in fourth for the for the season finish. Definitely, man. And again, uh, good luck. Well, thank you. I think I'm going to end it, man. I'm, I'm burned out. All right. It's been a long day. But yeah. you have a good night, man. All right. I'll talk to you. All right. And then uh, your la- sponsor shout-outs. Where can people reach you? If you want, yeah, I want so, you to get that, that out there at least. Major, the sponsors that have helped me so far, basically the some of the best ones are uh, you know most helpful and uh, current are Blow-By Racing. And uh, they do all of my tuning and uh, fuel system supporting. And... Um, Dapper lighting was definitely good for the LEDs and all the, you know, the help with their electronics. Um, Pro Charger themselves have really, really been a successful help. Um, and uh, obviously my local tires, uh, Carlton Tire, they're local here to our area in, in uh, Lakeport. And uh, let's see, we there's a few more here that are still on board this year. I forgot here, but um, social medias are the... Uh, Instagram is Corbett Customs for now. We, like I said, we will be changing that over to the new team um, soon. And then just Facebook is Jacob Corbett. If a lot on there, um, and that's that. We're gonna we're gonna set a lot of stuff up for the next season coming, but it's not done yet. Sweet man. Alrighty. So the the last time, you have a good night, man. All right. All right. Take it easy. All right. Bye bye.